0: Good morning. Thanks for the introduction, Shal. Yeah, this worship was incredible. I'm not sure exactly where God is going, but it, it does seem to me that, that He wants to have an encounter with some people here this morning and yeah, that some lives will be changed. So, uh, yeah, I'm talking about lives being changed. Now, earlier, Shal spoke about going into the nations and, and things like that, and I know that can be quite life-changing as well. I'm sure some of you would have experienced that. And the last year, I was also challenged to, to go on an outreach into the nations, and so I went to the nation of Benoni, and uh, yeah, yeah, so my life was drastically changed, and God started something there that, that got birthed exactly nine months later when I married this beautiful young lady in the front, Candice. Yeah, and since uh, I've now been married for nearly two months, and uh, and therefore I consider myself to be an expert on the topic. So therefore I'm going to be speaking about marriage this morning. But um, I'm not going to be speaking about our marriage, as incredible and eventful as it has been thus far. I'm going to be speaking about a much greater marriage that is yet to come. But firstly, I want to look at marriage in a bit more detail according to Scripture. If I had to look at marriage according to the world's perspective, then it would be something along the lines of it's a relationship between any one person and any other person or persons for any period of time can be ended for any reason after which they can marry any other person again. Basically, anything goes. So let's have a look at what Scripture says about marriage. And firstly, let us look at the origin of marriage, where it all started, and which is fairly well known. And although Scripture doesn't give us details of an official wedding ceremony, now it does tell us enough to know that Adam and Eve were in fact married in the Garden of Eden from the very beginning. In Genesis 2, we can read that our God created Eve from Adam. And then in verse 24 and 25, we read the following. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man, this is referring to Adam, and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And if this is not enough evidence for you that Adam and Eve were in fact married in the Garden of Eden... Then we can look at what Jesus said in the New Testament. And in Matthew 19, you know, this, the, the Pharisees, they, so they try to trick Jesus with a question about marriage and divorce. And then Jesus replies to four, the following in verse 4 to 6. So he answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Then he quotes Genesis 2.24 and says, And said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, and old fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh so they are no longer two but one flesh what therefore god has joined together let not man separate so it is very clear from scripture that firstly god created marriage between man and a woman it wasn't man's idea it was god's design he joined them together and secondly marriage existed in the garden of eden from the very beginning before there was sin and therefore death. And furthermore, and this might not be as obvious from Genesis, his marriage was never intended to be permanent, even in the Garden of Eden before there was death. You now often people think that heaven one day is going to be like paradise was in the Garden of Eden. And I'm sure there will be a lot of similarities, but it won't be the case, because if if heaven is going to be like paradise, then there has to be, marriage between men and women in heaven, because we just saw there were marriage between Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. But if you look at Scripture, what Jesus said, Matthew 22, when the Sadducees the some tried to trick him with a question about the afterlife, in verse 50, Matthew 22, 30, we read the following. This is what Jesus said. For in the resurrection they, and he's speaking about people that have passed away, in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but they are like angels in heaven. And therefore, there won't be marriage in heaven, as we saw in, in paradise. So, then the question is, if marriage was, was always just going to be temporary and not the final destination, then what exactly is the purpose of marriage? Now, is it perhaps that the main purpose of marriage is reproduction? You know, in Genesis 1.28, the very first command God gave to man is, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Or could it perhaps be that the main purpose of marriage is to help against loneliness? In Genesis 2.18, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. It's a scripture that single guys like to use. <laughs> and uh, Or maybe perhaps the main purpose of marriage is to give man a helper. The second part of Genesis 2.18 God says that I will create man a helper fit for him. And that's just before he created Eve. Now undoubtedly all of these are functions of marriage, but it still doesn't really explain what the main purpose of marriage is if marriage was always just going to be temporary. And besides, in the New Testament we see a spiritual fulfillment of all of these functions apart from marriage. In Matthew 28, 19, the Great Commission Jesus says, go into the nations, go make disciples of all the nations, reproducing born-again believers rather than simply just populating the earth. And in Acts 2.42, Scripture, well-known in just gen, we are called to fellowship with one another. And therefore, even if you're called to celibacy in this life, you still shouldn't face the loneliness that Adam faced as the only human being on the planet. And John 14.16, God promises his Holy Spirit as a helper. To all of those that believe, and so i 'm not saying that these are no longer functions of marriage because I still believe they are i'm just saying i don't believe it is the main purpose of marriage. So the question then remains: what is the main purpose of marriage? Now undoubtedly one of the, the best known scriptures about marriage is ephesians five verse twenty two to thirty three Where the Apostle Paul, he basically speaks about how husbands and wives ought to treat one another and love one another. We often see that in marriage teachings and premarital counseling. I don't have time to read the entire scripture, but I'm just going to focus on verse 51 and verse 52. And again, Paul starts by quoting Genesis 2.24. And he says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Now I don't know about you guys, but I find it extremely difficult to understand or explain you know, what heaven is going to be like and what our relationship with Jesus is going to be like one day. Now My limited intellect and imagination just can't fully comprehend it. And if I look at some scriptures of people that had a vision of heaven, like in Revelations, and I read all the pictures and the metaphors and the things, I I can see that they try their very best to, to capture what they've experienced and what they've seen in heaven. But somehow our limited vocabulary just don't fully do it justice. And for this reason, I believe God gave us a picture that we can understand of what heaven is going to be like and what our relationship with Jesus is going to be like. And this picture is called marriage. And therefore, when Paul, when he speaks about marriage, and he himself had a vision of heaven, which you can read about in two Corinthians twelve, but when he speaks about marriage between a man and a woman, this incredible mystery, he says that actually this refers to, this points to Christ and the church, and that is the main purpose of marriage. You know, some some of you might say, well, if If marriage is a foretaste of heaven, well, then maybe heaven is not so great after all. (laughs) Because we see so many broken marriages, and even in some couples that remain together, often times there's hurt and disappointment and all kinds of negative emotions. But I want to remind you that all of this is a product of sin. And as we saw earlier, marriage came before sin, which we only read about in Genesis 3. And the only marriage that would have been perfect the way that God intended it to be would have been the marriage between Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And if you think about it, they would have worked perfectly together. They would have been a perfect unity. There would have been never any arguments, never any hurts, never any disappointments. It would have been like one incredible honeymoon 24-7. And as incredible and perfect as this marriage would have been, it was always just going to be temporary. And it was only a tiny glimpse of the incredible marriage that is to come between God and his people and Christ and his church. And therefore, married people, if if you could look at just the highlights package of your marriage, all the incredible times and the times where you worked well together and you, know, you cut out all the negativity and all the arguments and things like that, then that is only like a A little bit, a little bit of a glimpse, a foretaste of what heaven is going to be like one day. And therefore, single people, as incredible as marriage in this life could be, and I do recommend it. (laughs) Now, even if you never get to taste marriage in this life, the marriage that is to come, if you remain in Christ, is far greater. It's far more incredible. And nothing in this life can compare to that. So I've looked just a little bit at uh, what Scripture says about marriage, and I've only really scratched the surface. And in fact, this, this whole book is one big love story between God and His people, Christ and the Church, His bride. And I do want to encourage you to explore this in your own time. But our knowledge by itself doesn't mean much if we don't apply it practically. And therefore, I do want to spend a few minutes and just look at, practically, how we can apply all of this to our lives. So firstly, for those of you that consider yourself believers, this marriage that is to come should be the the hope and the anchor in your life. If there's one thing that I can tell each and every one of you here this morning with certainty is this, that in this life, you're going to face trouble, you're going to face sorrows and trials of various kinds. And I can say that because that's what Jesus said in John 16, 33. Now, It doesn't matter if you're wealthy, if you're the CEO of some company, or you've inherited a lot of money. It doesn't matter if you're famous. It doesn't matter if you're healthy and fit. Now, in this life, you're going to face troubles. No one is excluded from that. But Jesus also said this. He said, Take heart, for I've overcome the world. And therefore, if you've got Jesus in your life, it doesn't matter if you're poor, if you're homeless, if you're sick or disabled, or if you're rejected by society, then you've got, I hope, and a future that nothing and no one can take away from you. Now, I know that uh, there's many of you here that's this morning that's going through difficulties right now. And I know some of you had a very difficult 2019. I'm not here this morning to tell you that this year is going to get better. Circumstances will be better because I don't know that. And for some of you that might not be the case. But I am here to remind you after the hope that you have in Christ and the future you can look forward to if you persevere to the end, if you remain in Christ. And the biggest part of 2019, before I was married, Candace was up in Benoni and I was down in Cape Town. And uh, especially towards the end of the year, we were both facing quite a lot of difficulties. And I was extremely busy at work and I had some exams to write and I was trying to sell out house and buy another house. There was a lot of stress and pressure and stuff. And Candice, she was finishing her master's while working full-time and planning a wedding and there's family dramas and all kinds of things. And life was just getting really hectic. But through all of the chaos of life, we were able to encourage one another and and say, you know, it's just a few more months, just a few more weeks, just a few more days until we're married, which is something we've really been looking forward to. And similarly, when when we're facing with all the difficulties in this life, now we can remind ourselves that it's just a little while longer. Now, James 4.14, now we see that life is compared to a mist that appears for a little while and then it vanishes. And then, Then we get to stand in front of our groom, Jesus Christ, and we get to experience something that's far greater than than the best marriage in this life could ever be, or anything else for that matter. So, am I saying that in this life we're just going to suffer, and then we must just hold on to the hope that one day Jesus will come back and make everything better? Not quite. Although this hope should keep us going during difficult times, and we can actually experience joy and fellowship with Jesus right now. Now, I remember a time last year when I was just getting to know Candace and she was in Stellenbosch for work. And uh, I would drive through to Stellenbosch every day after work to spend time with her and get to know her. And before I knew it, it was midnight, and I had to go back. So I didn't get a lot of sleep that week, and uh, I really enjoy my sleep. Like Charles said, I have a fixed routine, which didn't work that week. But uh, it wasn't too much effort for me to do that, because I really enjoyed getting to know her and building relationships. And similarly, even though we're not married to Jesus yet, we can enjoy getting to know him, building relationship, having fellowship with him. Just read with me what the disciple John says in 1 John 1, verse 3 to 4. And remember, you would have been one of the people that was closest to Jesus while he was on earth. So he said this, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Some, some manuscripts say so that your joy may be complete. And so, now Jesus, Jesus loves us so much that he did. He came to the earth to pay the price so that, you know, one day we as his bride, we can spend an eternity with him. And that's amazing, but it's, that's not all. Now, this scripture is, is written in the present things, not in the future things. And actually, we can have fellowship with, with Jesus and the Father right now through the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter what we're going through. We have a Father. We have a friend. We have a helper. that will never leave us, never forsake us, be with us for all the challenges. And that is what makes our joy complete. I'm going to start landing. And uh, I want to ask you to evaluate where you are with God right now. If you consider yourself a believer, now what does your devotional life look like? Is it a ritualistic reading of Bible and praying and church and community and Ticking all those boxes. Or is it a romantic relationship with, with your Lord and Savior Jesus where you're excited to meet with him, to talk with him, to spend time with him? Now, I cannot explain to you the, the excitement I experience when, when my wife unexpectedly just hugs me from behind or whispers in my ear that she loves me or when she clears her schedule just to be, spend time with me and give me her undivided attention. And I can only begin to understand or imagine what Jesus must experience when we, as his bride, just just comes to him with that love and adoration and we, we clear our busy schedules just to give him our undivided attention. And it would really hurt me if suddenly my wife, she didn't have any time for me. or Maybe she gave me five minutes of her time every now and then, and then her mind really isn't even present. Especially if I can see that she's active on social media and she always has time for movies and series and books and games and all kinds of other things that really aren't that important. And yet so often that is how we go about in our relationship with Jesus. And then we wonder why we don't hear his voice or you know, why we, we don't, why he's feeling so distant.